This week's terrific episode of Election Profit Makers is sponsored by Bloom Farms Wellness. Bloom Farms Wellness makes CBD products to help you relax and improve the quality of your life. Products include balms, tinctures, vapes. Let's talk about tinctures for a moment. They sent me something called the Dream Tincture. Put two drops under my tongue for a good night's sleep. It works. They also sent me a little vape pen for relaxation. All their stuff is grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives, nice packaging, I must say. They also have, this is very nice, a give back program. For every product sold by Bloom Farms, they donate one healthy meal to a family in need. Since 2015, they have donated three million meals. Get in on the action, improve the quality of your life, do a good thing. Go to this website, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM for 15% off your order. That's bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM. It was the day America lost her innocence. 9-11, but we got our revenge and we gained 9-11. Number one event of our lifetimes. America came together and made some smart decisions on 9-11. America's mayor, may I kiss you upon your cheek. Thank you for healing Manhattan. Okay, that's our 9-11 remembrance song. All right. Hi there. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on uh, current events and political outcomes. All manner of madness. I am David, and... um, what is there to say about me? I like napping and gardening. I'm joined on the line. Hey. Oh, jumping in. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, hey, everyone. Get it started. John yeah. Kimball, Long John All Silver. Right. Wow, he's owie. Yep, we're over the hump. The 9-11 hump. The, the COVID hump. It's all good from here. Or better, not good. Good, but better. John continues his little theory that everything is about to get really nice. Better. Yeah. Maybe not nice, but anyway. John, how was your 9-11? How'd you celebrate this year? You know, this year I, um, you know, I read a bunch of things and watched some stuff too, but I tried not to delve too deep into it. It was, I, I stayed off Twitter for the most part. Ooh. And... I know this is sort of problematic. It's my problematic fave. I watched a lot of college football. Mm. Um, it had been a while because football, they did play football last year, but it was kind of fake football where they were just trying to play anybody nearby and the stadiums were empty and half the teams were in quarantine. Or, uh, yeah, so it was, it, well, it didn't seem like real football. Now real football seems like it's back and, uh, that's what I did on 9-11. Do you want to tell your story? Um, your 9-11 story. Oh, about my story about what happened on this year's 9-11? Yeah. This is a cautionary tale. I'm going to share this story. This happened to me on Saturday, September 11th, 2021. And I hope it will serve as a warning to everyone who seeks bargains on the darkest corners of the internet. No, I didn't order a bunch of pills from India. I was looking at these old drum machines, okay? 
Not super vintage drum machines, but drum machines from the 90s and early 2000s. I thought I would treat myself and get a new little toy to play with. Anyway, I was reading about this particular drum machine. I'm not going to name the brand because they don't sponsor the show, so I'll leave them to rot. But this drum machine looked kind of fun. It usually retails now used for between, I guess, five and $700. When I entered the model number of this drum machine into my search bar, I found one available for the price of $80. Where? Uh, on a Chinese website called... Well, I'm not really sure because the URL for the website was not the same name as the person I sent my PayPal money to, which in turn was not the same name as the person who shipped me the item. So I'm uh -huh. not really sure what I was dealing with. I think it was like a neural network rather than an individual uh, merchant. Okay. But I thought, okay, I know that this is too good to be true. Let me figure out how to make sense of this in my own mind. What probably happened was somewhere, it came from Wuhan, China, a city that you and I have both visited years mm -hmm. ago. It was being shipped from Wuhan. I thought maybe somebody in Wuhan found a bunch of these drum machines under a bush and decided to sell them as quickly as possible for the lowest possible price. I said, well, that works for me. I'm saving hundreds of dollars on this drum machine. Sent the money over via PayPal a couple weeks ago, and then to make sure I wouldn't get scammed, I followed the tracking number relentlessly. Sure enough, a package left Wuhan, made its way across the ocean to the United States. I tracked it every day, twice a day, to make sure that they hadn't just taken my money and weren't sending me my item. They were sending me my item. Yeah. It grew closer and closer. They told me it would arrive on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 when America lost her innocence. I thought this would be a wonderful way to mark the occasion. If I was depressed on 9-11, I could find sucker with my new little drum machine. Yeah. I, I opened the door and looked out. There was no box on the porch. I checked the website again. It said the item had been delivered. Mm-mm. I went down and opened my little mailbox. I was confused. There was no way a drum machine could fit in my little mailbox. I opened my mailbox. There was an envelope from Wuhan, China addressed to me. <laughs> Confusion and dread took over, much like 9-11 feelings. They came back 20 years later. I rushed upstairs to the kitchen table and opened the envelope from China. John, they did not send me a drum machine for $75. What what did they send? They sent an oven mitt. What? I have an oven mitt. One oven mitt. <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to just slap the table rhythmically and that's the drum machine. I have no idea what to do now. Do I call? Call Wuhan. I call? Just call Wuhan directory? Yeah, well, that's a start. Friends, I'm going to say this lesson once, and I hope you don't forget it because I had to learn it the hard way. <laughs> if you find something on the internet that seems too good to be true, odds are it's too good to be true. Now I have I mean, a $75 oven mitt straight from Wuhan, China. At least you got something. I mean, they didn't rip I mean, you yeah, off. That's, I'm, just... so, I'm so bewildered by this. I am so bewildered by this. Because it's not a truce, uh, unless it's some... I don't even know how, this is one of those things where I don't even know how to begin to think about it. Because it's not like they just took my money and disappeared and sent nothing. They right. sent me something with a return address. Right. Is it labeled drum machine, like stitched on the side? 
so that so they can theoretically, you know, legally say, well, this is what we call a drum machine in Wuhan. Like if you search a particular cartoon character on Amazon because you want to buy a comic book, a bot will just rent will scour the web for an image of that character, put it on the side of a pillow and instantly list that on Amazon as something you can buy, right? Right. So I thought maybe when I felt this soft envelope, I thought, oh God, did they send me a t-shirt with a picture of this drum machine on it? Did I get horn swoggled by one of those bots? No, this oven mitt has nothing to do with drum machines. You're sure? Yeah. Now I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that either it was, does have something to do with a drum machine, I'm going to go and get And the mistake right is hold yours. On, hold on, I'm going to go get or, the oven mitt. Or that it was a mistake. I mean, I think it could be a mistake. It could be a mistake. Maybe. Show me, show me on this oven mitt any indication that this has anything to do with a drum machine. It's just a bunch of triangles. I don't know what a drum machine even looks like. Could that? Could a drum machine fit inside that? <laughs> what if I opened up the oven mitt and there was a little tiny drum machine in it? And then I put two drops of water on it and it bloop, blew up to become a full-size drum machine. Okay, so all seriousness now. I think a mistake was made and the, in the fulfillment process, uh, some numbers got transposed and you you got an oven mitt. Okay, I'm going to look into it. Stay tuned, listeners, as I resolve this issue over the next 50 years. Yeah. Anyway, that was my 9-11 story. I hope that brought you a little uh, levity and also perhaps a little lesson. <laughs> Moving on. Time always marches forward. Like the old philosopher said, you can't stick your foot into the same river twice because the water will be different, and that means the river is different. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. We have to talk about a recall. We have to talk about the Ohio Senate race. We have to talk about the Jack Reacher fundraiser results. And we have some amazing listener questions, including maybe the greatest listener uh, email we have ever received. We're excited to share these glad tidings with all of you in the aftermath of the 9-11 anniversary. I'd also like to say that we posted to Patreon our EPM Movie Club edition concerning the incredible documentary Whirly Bird about an innovative husband and wife L.A. helicopter news team. You can access that episode and many other episodes by going to patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. The end. Okay, John. Shall we touch briefly on the Gavin Newsom recall in California, which ends this week? It, uh, it, it looks like um, it's, it's not going to be a very exciting ending. It's going to be what everyone said it was going to be, right? Well, not everyone. Remember, I used to think the recall was going to happen. Larry Elder would be the new governor of California. Dianne Feinstein would die in office and Larry Elder would appoint Hulk Hogan to be California's new senator or what have you. But John, you're telling me that my money is safe. I've stopped psychologically hedging by betting that Gavin Newsom would be recalled. I cast out of that position and got into the uh, cliche no market. And you're telling me that this money is good to go? I believe so. So last week when we, we talked about this briefly, I said, you know, barring a major polling miss, I think uh, that Newsom is going to be safe and not get recalled. Recalled? Recalled isn't right. Not get recalled. Recalled. 
Right. I noticed that this week, Harry Enten did an analysis in CNN about uh, how bad the polling miss would have to be. Now, right now, Newsom Newsom No leads the recall by 15 points. So he looked back at the numbers going all the way back to 1998 of all the governor race polls, and there have only been four polling misses of more than 15 points out of 240 races. So it it would be pretty extreme for uh, these to be off. But I guess it's possible. I don't think it's possible. Newsom, according to Long John Silver, you are safe. You can rest easy. You can celebrate at the French Laundry. I hope you're right, John, because I have more than $150 invested in this, and I can't afford to lose this investment if, if the recall actually goes forward. I'll be bummed for multiple reasons. Yeah, so the Democrats right now, looking at the, the people that have already voted, are up 28 percentage points uh, in terms of their voters' uh, pre-election day ballots. And that is just a little bit off from the 2020 election, where Democrats were up about 30 points. Do you think Larry Elder and former President Donald Trump are smart to already be saying that this election has been rigged? Does that motivate voters or help suppress turnout? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It didn't. It did not help in Georgia. In the Georgia Senate race. Yeah. It is kind of wild that this is now just going to be a standard Republican talking point, even ahead of Election Day, that the election has already been rigged. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? It's depressing. If only America hadn't lost her innocence on 9-11, none of this would be happening. Mm -hmm. We would still be innocent. (laughs) Like I mentioned, Elder and Trump, and probably a lot of other Republicans are going to say the whole election was rigged. To what end? I'm not sure. I guess hoping that there will be civil unrest in the streets of Orange County. I don't know, like, what's the end game? It's just a face-saving measure, I suppose, to say that it's not that you were, it's not that the will of the people rejected you. It's that they were uh, over overwhelmed by fraudulent ballots, I suppose. Is that, let's see what, you know what, actually, I'm going to take a look at something. How do you find out what President Trump said? President Trump statement. Mm. I'll enter that into my search. Does he still have his little website where he, here we go. Oh, look at this. Afghanistan proves our failed generals no longer care about winning. Um, Trump slams Biden for not following the plan he left on Afghanistan. Save America launches You Will Never Be Forgotten Memorial video ahead of the 20th anniversary of no, I want the statements. I don't want to watch a video. Now I have to sign up for an email. Arr, hold on, John. Just hold on. Just Oh, here we go. In a statement released by Trump's Save America Political Action Committee, Trump compared the California recall election to the election he lost to President Joe Biden last fall, which also saw widespread use of mail-in ballots. Does anybody really believe the California recall election isn't rigged? Trump's statement began. Millions and millions of mail-in ballots will make this just another giant election scam. No different, but less blatant than the 2020 presidential election scam. Okay. So now I know where he's at. I guess we'll see whether Larry Elder will, will, will protest the election results and have a bunch of people show up to harass ballot counters or what have you. Oh, America, when did we lose our innocence? So, J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel this week are trying to outdo each other 
in the regarding the vaccine quote unquote mandate that Biden announced this week, which isn't really a mandate since it gives people the option to not take the vaccine and just get tested weekly. But that's not how the right has interpreted it. And J.D. Yeah, Vance that's, and J- that's somewhat less dramatic than saying yeah. Biden is forcing authoritarianism down our throats. Right, which is exactly what everyone on the right is saying, particularly J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel, who have just gone off <laughs> the deep end. It's a week. good old-fashioned tough guy contest in the Ohio Republican primary for Senate. Who is the tougher rebel, <laughs> J.D. Vance or Josh Mandel? Oh, two of the toughest-looking dudes ever squaring up. Right. I thought Josh Mandel looked pretty tough in that video of him. In corn cob video? Yeah, in the cornfield in... The blinking red light that makes it seem like a truck is waiting to have permission to back over him. (laughs) I didn't see that. Where the crickets are louder than his own voice. Yeah, that was a creepy video. Um, I'll put in a little audio of the video here. Hey guys, it's Thursday night, September 9th. I'm driving through Western Ohio. We're driving through a cornfield near a town called Logansville, Ohio. My uh, blood is boiling, enraged at what I've seen from the White House today. Trampling on our freedom, trampling on our liberty, trampling on what I took an oath to defend when I joined the Marine Corps. Joe Biden, I'm not even going to call him President Biden. He's not. Joe Biden is creating a constitutional crisis. And as I was driving through this cornfield, I literally came across this sign, this Trump sign. He is my president. And I am hoping and praying that the Supreme Court justices that he appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court will do the right thing and stand up for the Constitution, stand up for our freedom, stand up for our liberty. And if they don't, I call on my fellow Americans, do not comply. Do not comply with the tyranny. And when the Gestapo show up at your front door, you know what to do. Kill the doctors. Kill the nurses. Kill the healthcare workers. Is that what he's saying? Because, I mean, he's saying you know what to do. Of course that's what he's saying. It's plausible so deniability, but we all know what to do. If the Gestapo showed up at your door, John, what would you do? You would try to kill them. They're the Gestapo, right? Well, I don't have anything to kill him with, but I, I'd probably run. I, I'm going to hit him with this oven mitt. I'm going to slap him upside the head with this oven mitt. Okay. Meanwhile, let's check in with our hillbilly hedge funder, J.D. Vance. Must have got wind with this and said, no, 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 Josh Mandel. You're not the only tough guy around here in Ohio. J.D. Vance sent an email to his most hardcore supporters, including myself, because I am on his mailing list calling for mass civil disobedience. Listen to this email from J.D. Vance. Friend, I have a simple message. Do not comply. The Biden administration's proposed COVID mandates are illegal, unconstitutional, morally reprehensible. Make no mistake, these rules don't apply to Biden and his buddies. Joe Biden likes to talk about millions of American citizens as if they're nothing more than vermin to be ruled by him and his friends. He's revealed himself to be nothing more than a geriatric tyrant. That's a pretty good zinger, I have to say. Yeah, that is. Unlike the elites, it's the regular everyday people of America that are directly impacted by this naked authoritarianism. We have to hold this crumbling government accountable. 
Friend, I need you to tell them directly how we feel about these unconstitutional mandates and double standards. Then there's this crazy picture they sent. It's a photograph of J.D. Vance, but it's been photoshopped so that he's holding a protest sign that says, Mass Civil Disobedience. But the sign was rendered in Adobe Illustrator, I think, so that, you know, it's cartoonish and uncanny, and the text, Mass Civil Disobedience, is written in one of those weird, like, real human handwriting fonts, but looks so artificial and fake. It's the uncanny valley of, of um, handwriting because all the letters are rendered exactly the same way. Anyway, I'll say it again. Do not comply with the mandates. Do not pay the government fines. Don't allow yourself to be bullied and controlled. Only mass civil disobedience will save us from Joe Biden's naked authoritarianism. The only way to hold Biden's failing administration accountable is by speaking up, friend. He calls me friend. <laughs> it's time to make your voice heard. Add your name now to publicly stand with me against unconstitutional vaccine mandates. So I click the link. It takes me to conservativeintel.com where I can add my name to publicly stand with... Look at his face. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Every time I forget what this fellow looks like. Oh my gosh. Look, he can't help what he looks like. I know you shouldn't make fun of people for their looks, but I mean... Both of these guys trying to be look so tough. I yeah, don't know, they... they just, I'll, I'll give JD you that. Vance looks like a washcloth salesman. Yeah, and Josh Mandel, I don't know what type of I'm not making fun of his looks, but his his posture, he's choosing to stand the way he stands in that cornfield and it's really strange. Do you think he is subconsciously or consciously aping the posture of former president Donald J Trump who had unusual ways of standing on earth? You know who else had a, sort of a weird way of standing was George W Bush. Speaking of 9/11, he would sort of like puff out his chest. He was know. a chest puffer. Classic, classic chest puffer. Yeah. But a lot of these guys stand weird. You know, Kerry stood weird. Gore was a weird, you know. I think politicians are kind of weird. You mean physically? Physically. Oh, just physically. All right. Let's take a look at Predict It. With the battle heating up between J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel, both acting incredibly disingenuous. I mean, especially J.D. Vance. I mean, J.D. Vance... <laughs> JD <laughs> So you think both these guys are vaccinated, right? Oh my god, of course they are. Right. Okay. Don't you think? Yes. Yes. JD Vance, who is at 29 cents when I bought in to support my number one favorite hillbilly. He's now at 35. He's only 6 cents behind Josh Mandel. What a world is it going to work, John? If JD Vance just keeps hitting the vaccine mandates and the and the tyranny of this crumbling administration, can he actually get within spitting distance of Josh Mandel? Sure, sure. He's not. He's he, Josh Mandel is still the master retail politician. Josh Mandel gets out there. He makes the weird videos. He drives through all the cornfields. JD Vance is still just sending out his missives through conservative intel and going on talk shows and things like that. I don't really ever see him in the field. Am I wrong on that? J.D. Vance, the corn is calling, son. You need to get up in a cornfield and start making some weird videos where it's hard to hear what you're saying. Prove your authenticity, J.D. Vance. Yeah. 
make a video where you're running naked through a cornfield and screaming, and then we can talk about being an authentic representation of Ohio interests. Because Josh Mandel has you licked in this shitty video. This video looks so shitty and creepy. There's no way anyone is going to mistake him for a for a slick outsider who's riding on the coattails of hardworking Ohioans. Yeah. J.D. Vance, every time you're on TV now, you need to be like, this microphone is too nice. This camera is too clean. Fuck this shit up. Make me look grimy. I want to be like Gigi Allen up here talking about the tyranny of Joe Biden. Make me look like shit. That's what he needs to say. Yeah. Because boy, oh boy, when he's in this, when he's in his little suit with his little beard and his little hair parted and he's holding this Photoshop sign that says mass oh my gosh. civil. I'm seeing it now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right? It looks doesn't he look like Antifa? Mass civil disobedience. Beep boop. Oh my god. This font That's, is probably called Antifa. It probably ships with Adobe Illustrator oh or something. My god, that font. It's too smooth. Oh, he's got a scowl on his face. No Starbucks window is safe when JD Vance rolls into town holding a sign that says mass civil disobedience. We will not comply. We will not take your vaccine for free, and we will not allow ourselves to get tested if we refuse the vaccine. We demand mass civil disobedience, led by J.D. Vance. These guys are cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens, right? Yeah, we still got, uh, what, what, when is the date? The date of the primary? Yeah, we still got. May 3rd, 2022. Jesus. That is a long ways away. Many cornfields will be ravaged. Between now and Yeah, now. so I mean, so right? much can happen at this point. Is anyone even paying attention? Will anyone care about COVID mandates in May of 2022? I guess it depends on how many more variants we have. Oh, America, when did we lose our innocence? I know when we <laughs> lost it on 9-11, but why? Why did we have to lose our innocence? Do you want to talk about the Jack Reacher fundraiser, or is that too depressing and humiliating? Oh, boy, oh, boy. From one triumph to the next, I skip merrily along, trailing clouds of glory as I come. Our Jack Reacher fundraiser, we were soliciting donations to the campaign of Jasmine Beach Ferrara, who's taking on another famous tough guy, Madison Cawthorn. John, did you see Madison Cawthorn's Twitter video where he was at a shooting range and he was like shooting all these guys like dummies and stuff and the tweets said yeah. something like come and take it referring of course to his guns i would assume yeah he shot a bunch of things really fast it was like jason Bourne. yeah we've thrown our weight behind jasmine beach ferrara alum of chapel hill high school just like us go tigers to that end i'm going to give away this signed copy of or not, I shouldn't say signed copy because people will think that Lee Child signed it with his brother, Andrew Child. That's not true. It's going to be signed by me. This is going to the person who gave the most money to the Ferrara campaign and then sent me the receipt. And that person is Phil R. And no, it's not my dad. This is a different Phil R. Phil, congratulations. You made the largest donation. Thanks, Phil. Send me your mailing address and I'm going to mail you this book along with some election profit maker stickers. And thanks to the other people who donated it, I appreciate it. Now, I'm going to be honest. This wasn't quite the fundraising bonanza that I had fantasized about. But that's okay. There's still plenty of time left for fundraising. Maybe I shouldn't have hyped up the prize as being an unreadably bad book with, with a banged-up cover. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I need to learn how human incentives work. Rest assured, we'll have more premiums for future donations. The fundraising season has only just begun here at Election Profit Makers headquarters. And from mixtapes to band wars to battered and torn Jack Reacher novels, you know there's nothing we love more than raising money. 
We will get your money. We will take your money, rest assured. Paul writes in, he says, I'm holding no on Will Biden resign during his first term. I have an average cost of 78 cents. I feel like I've tied my money up because it's going to stay around that price until probably October of 2024. In fact, I am sure that it'll only go lower. Do you think I should wait for my shares to dip after a scathing night of Hannity and Carlson uh, buy more? and sell for a 1% to 2% profit on the rebound? Or is this a dangerous and wasteful game that will net me next to no benefits in the coming three years? I don't think it's particularly dangerous. I think uh, I don't see Biden resigning. I think it's possible something could happen and Biden died. Uh, I don't see him resigning. It may be wasteful in terms of it's just a long time to wait for a pretty small uh, return. I am actually in this market right now just because I've been aboard with some of the the predicted markets. So I just jumped in, but now I'm just thinking, yeah, maybe my money can be better invested in other places. So Joe Biden will not resign. Don't think so. Even though his approval rating is going down and he seems like someone who thrives on the fact that everybody loves him and he wants to be best friends with everybody. He's, his uh, well, approval rating is underwater. Right. Joe Manchin, sensing this low approval rating, only makes it easier for him to obstruct all of Biden's infrastructure and social services agenda in the service of his corporate paymasters. You think he's doing that because of Biden, or you just think he's doing I'm that saying because that's if a Biden's, what he is? I'm saying that if, a, if Biden's approval rating was hovering in the 80s or 90s or something, it would be harder for Joe Manchin to get away with this. Yes, yes. Not passing no, all this stuff or cutting the budget from $3.5 trillion to $220,000 or whatever Joe Manchin wants is only <laughs> going to hurt Biden's approval rating more because he'll be seen as someone who can't get anything done. The vicious cycle feedback loop will continue and Biden will become less and less popular. And yet you think he still won't resign? I guess he won't, Willie. You know who I'd like to resign is Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, the hype house is closed. Remember when I was saying, oh, Joe Manchin is saying yeah, all this I bullshit did. about bipartisanship so that then he can turn around and stick a knife in the back of the Republicans and pass a huge infrastructure bill because West Virginia ranks 50th in infrastructure. Yeah, that didn't happen. Joe Manchin just honestly is just is just a stinker. Yeah, I mean, and he always was, and this is what happens when you have a 50-50 Senate. Oh, Cal Cunningham. It would be nice if Cal Cunningham wasn't such a reckless idiot Remember, you guys didn't think that that was going to make a difference? Why does anyone listen to what I say on this podcast? I truly hope they don't because I just keep getting it wrong over and over and over again. I really didn't think it would make a difference, that Cal Cunningham thing. And maybe it didn't. I mean, maybe it made yeah. a difference, but he was already so far behind and the polling was so off, there was no way that he would have won that Senate seat in North Carolina, even if he had kept his hugging arms to himself. Yeah, Trump is such a turnout machine that it is possible right. that he would have lost. But that didn't help. All right, so what are you saying to Paul? Sell your shares. Don't don't have them tied up for three years while we wait to have predicted close the market after Joe Biden does not resign? Yeah. Or ride waves? I mean, I don't think riding waves for one or two cents think there's better waves to ride out there. Get out, Paul. Get out. Let's move on. 
Blake writes in, hello, Wave Riders. Just checking in to see if John has ever heard of Birchwood, Wisconsin, and it's totally effed naming of roads. Read some of the street names that Blake has sent in as evidence. And then okay. I came up with a great joke that I can say. So read okay. some of these street names. So here, here are some of the street names that, that Blake has sent in. I've never heard of this town in, in Birchwood, Wisconsin. Um, 26.875 Street. 23 and one-half street, 23 and three-fourths street, 28th and five-sixteenth street, 28 hey. and seven-sixteenth hey. street. Hey, John, quick question. Yeah. Are these streets? Fuck, I messed up my joke. Uh, All right, try again. Read, just read one street and then I'll and All then right, I'll one street. All right, one, one of the streets is 29th and... 13 and 16th Street. That's hey, one John. street that I just named. Yeah. Okay. Hey, John, quick question. Are these street names or are they time signatures for prog rock songs? Let me click over to Zoom to see John's reaction. Nothing but smiles, I'm happy to report. Nothing but smiles. Did you like yes. that joke? Yeah, I, I know a lot about time signatures. Oh, it felt good to get that joke out of my system. The joke has been haunting me. Let's both thank Blake on the count of three. We'll say, I'll say one, two, three, and then we'll say, Blake, thank you for your letter. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Blake. Blake, thank, thank you, you for, for your, your letter. letter. That was great. We should do that for every Right, we should. <clears throat> Contact Next at Election up. Profit. <sighs> oh. Do you want to read Emma's letter or not? Why did we lose our innocence on that sunny day? 9-11, you just took our hopes away. We were minding our business just taking a nap, helping each other and learning how to rap. Then terror came from beyond our shores, knocked those buildings down. We rolled up our sleeves, we rallied together, we said, we're about to go to town. It's ass-kicking season in Afghanistan. We're gonna kick your butts like only America can. We lost our innocence, we gained our strength. America, look at our length. Look at... <laughs> Cutting all that. All right. That was good, though. I was in, I was in the pocket for a minute. Yeah, I think you should keep that. John, it's time to talk about this dispatch from Emma. Yes. Holy guacamole. What is there to say? Are we actually going to do this, John? Are we going to read this? It's pretty long. It's pretty long, but it's pretty good. Yes. Uh, you you want to read it, or do you want me to read it? Why don't we do this, John? Let's let's trade paragraphs. It'll be like um, a famous play with two people is Waiting for Godot. There's two guys, and um, they just talk and talk and talk, and we could do that here. Let's switch par Let's switch off each paragraph, okay? Okay. Welcome to EPM Listener Theater. Dramatic readings of questions, comments, and queries submitted by our listenership. I am, of course, Dame Edna Hornswoggle, and I'm joined on the stage this evening by my old counterpart... My old scene partner, Sir Earl Buff Buffman. Sir Earl Buffman. Mm -hmm. And tonight we have the honor of reading for you a dispatch from one Emma concerning skyscrapers. I'm not going to 
read in that voice. No, let's just let's just read it. Here we go. Woo! Here we go. Okay. Woo! All right. Emma writes in. I've been listening to your deep dive on skyscraper limitations for several weeks now, John. I find your theories delightful. I don't know if that was a little bit of a put down or not, but uh, I find your theories delightful, but I think you picked a single factor and stuck with it to explain why there aren't so many huge skyscrapers in certain elevations, when in reality, it's probably many more factors interrelated with each other. David was right when he said, if you want a better explanation, you should call a land use planner in Colorado so they could nerd out at you for hours. I am a land use planner, and I work in a major West Coast city, specifically an area where skyscrapers are being built, not Colorado. So this is my speculation only, but I don't think the issue in Denver has much to do with altitude. I think it is more likely based on economics, engineering, permitting, and land value. Consider that skyscrapers are costly to build, inefficient in their use of space, and are very much a luxury product in nearly all cities, with some exceptions for high-density public housing, like in China. Skyscrapers are a building type known as Type 1. This is the most expensive building typology. John, I feel like perhaps this blog might entice you on a deep dive on height limits. And then there's a link to buildingtheskyline.org. And I clicked immediately. What do you think of that URL? I love it. Think of a skyscraper as a tube where the interior is nearly useless as rentable space. You have to put the elevator and stair columns and a lot of engineering inside it. And it's made out of the most expensive materials at the highest amount of engineering and design, labor and highest level of permitting review. The taller you go, the higher the cost. Additionally, over the life of your building, you're doing a lot more work to pump water in, to cool the building, repair the elevators, of which you probably need many more overall for safety purposes, etc. You need a high expectation of return to make your skyscraper. The other thing I think you would also need to take into account is the difference between each city in terms of building constraints. In your analysis, you've focused on altitude as the key variable, but many other variables exist. For instance, Denver appears to be on an alluvial fan and also in a relatively seismically active area. This might mean that compared to an East Coast city set on bedrock, that Denver is inherently harder to construct to an acceptable seismic safety level for all building types. Bear in mind, too, that building code is constantly being updated and each year may become stricter as we learn more about what the minimal acceptable risk we'll accept in our buildings are. The code isn't the same everywhere and it's not even the same in the same place over time. It's something like leapfrog. Sometimes engineering advances rapidly and it becomes easier to design for seismic standards. Sometimes code gets stricter and it gets harder. Aside from engineering constraints, each city speaks its own vernacular on zoning. I don't know enough about Denver to know for sure, but for instance, let's say Denver has very high parking requirements. Say they have to put in a parking spot for each 100 square feet of commercial or residential space, and they have to put said parking underground. This would make for a very costly skyscraper in Denver, as you would need to engineer the building with a very deep parking garage of many spaces. And it's much more expensive to build down than up. 
Let's say Denver has a very individualized approval process for larger projects. In planning, we call this discretionary versus by right. Say there needs to be many different public hearings and votes by public officials to approve a large building. Those are the kinds of individual circumstances in Denver and in each city we talk about in terms of the soft costs of construction, all the experts and time you need to invest in order to get approvals and the risk factors of proposing a specific building. Additionally, sometimes there are wild cards. For instance, the FAA can get involved in areas depending on the need to protect flight path airspace. And in DC, there's obviously that famous restriction to keep things from towering over the White House. My quick Google didn't turn up much about that, but I did see some information about protected view planes to the mountains in some areas. You need real land valuation and constraints to get someone to build a skyscraper, a place where the land value is consistently high enough to be tempting to investors to take the risk. There's actually a whole field of study about land value capture that points out that our current American system of taxation disincentivizes highest slash best use of the land because most jurisdictions are taxed on the value of the land combined with the improvement of the land. So in high value areas, you may even get perverse incentives that encourage a landowner on a high value piece of downtown land to keep it under improved, hmm. say as a surface parking lot, so that the land embodies future potential return and remains an asset with the lowest possible tax, but the highest future potential. This is a bit of a dense read, but this book, Six City, has some good chapters on rent versus land. Here's a map of land value per U.S. cities. We'll skip that link. My personal theory is that the market in Denver needs more time to mature. That at this point, the land pressure and growth rate in Denver isn't pushing too hard on developers and investors to capitalize on larger buildings. It's a relatively newer market with room to grow. Meanwhile, think about Seattle, New York, and San Francisco. Each one is bottled up by water on many sides, creating a hard limit to the outward spread. You've got decades of growth and economic investment. Those are safer bets that you'll get a return on your money. However, it does also appear that there are a few taller buildings in the pipeline for Denver, and overall, the real estate industry is doing well although office space isn't a happy sector right now due to COVID. Seattle is a particularly interesting comparison because it's about the same size and population as Denver, but it's growing faster with many major industries located there. And it has severe seismic constraints, like most West Coast cities. Atlanta might also be a good comparison case study. I hope you come back to this in 10 years and see what the super tall trend is in Denver and the United States in 2031. And I hope this was fun to read. It was fun to read. Emma, you did it. You wrote an amazing play, and it was an honor to perform your words on the stage for our audience. And it gave me a ton to think about, and I think she's absolutely correct in terms of uh, the parking. That makes real sense to me, that it is really expensive. And in places like Charlotte, where they actually allow you to build a, a parking deck beside a building, I'm not certain that they do that in places like Denver uh, because it's, yeah, the further down you go, it gets really expensive blasting all that dirt. John, are you finally ready to acknowledge that your theory about altitude and the 6,000-foot headache zone is not the reason that Denver lacks in skyscraperness. It's not the sole reason. Oh my God. Basically, I need to write Emma back and 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 
have a conversation. We need to, I need to get some more information. Oh, she didn't give you enough information in this email? No, she gave me some more information, but I have some more, I I have some more questions. Oh my gosh. All right. Emma, I I have more questions. Emma, thank you for your dispatch. John will be contacting you shortly. She sounds like she has the best job on earth. Woo, building the skyline.org. Right? Yeah, I like that. You know, I own tallbuildings.com. Okay, you don't need to brag. Yeah. Everybody keep your panties on. <laughs> Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Bowell with help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions and skyscraper analyses to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. That's our email address, which works. If you want to try predictit.org, go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. And tell your relatives that there's a wonderful podcast that they would really enjoy listening to, and it's called Election Profit Makers, and they can listen to it on their computers and phones. Just tell your relatives that and see what they say. See if they say, thank you, I had no idea. Or if they say, on my phone, you say, what devilry be this? Let's just find out what happens. And uh, my name is David, and I was talking to John. Are you still there, John? Still here. Well, listeners, America may have lost her innocence, but we will keep moving forward. Stay safe, have fun, and thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. No one alive today has ever high-fived Abraham Lincoln. No one alive today has ever played a video game with Harry S. Truman. I'm just dropping stone-cold facts right now. These are the types of things that you can use to delight your guests at a dinner party. These are called Kid Midas Golden Facts. Each one of these is gold. I'll tell you another fact, John, before we move on. No one alive to... (laughs) Never mind. So dumb. I hate politics. I know. I hate politics. I just hate it all. Makes me so mad. 9-11 remembrances got me so mad and frustrated. What What an absolute hash we made of everything. There, I said it. Put that in your magazine. We made an absolute hash of everything after 9-11. Oh, America's innocence, please come back to us. What will it take? America, what will it take for us to wear little pink bows in our hair once again?